0: Good morning church. It's been quite a ride and you've been with us so far through four sermons, just three remaining in this series with one buffer, one kind of odds and ends at the at the last. And then three deep dives which you have been. It's just been astounding how many of you have watched those, shared those, commented on those. So if you put them all together, you've got quite a few hours. Maybe one of these days we will find a voice to text thing and transcribe all of this and make a a book out of it. But for now, you've got the audio. And thank you so much for being a part of what we're doing. I'm aware that we can make people feel uneasy because in many ways we are taking away your security blanket. We're taking away Your lovey, your passy, whatever you want to call it in whatever country you happen to be. That little thing that a kid has to hold on to. And eventually when they become older they have to let loose of it so that they can join in the life of the community. Well this security blanket, this concept that we have been taught by well-meaning individuals that says that God is in control of every molecule and every atom and He planned every single detail of life from the beginning to the end before there ever was a beginning. He knew it was going to happen, it had to happen because God plans all things and He knows all things. That sort of security blanket gave us an out when we had pain. You know I'm hungry, I've lost my job but God's planning has got to be in this. Or I've lost a child, or I've lost a parent, uh, or we've lost a war, and now we're under the yoke of a dictator, but God's got this plan. I would submit to you that God does have a plan in every moment. If you remember the little stick with the box thing in the sermons, uh, in every moment. But God did not plan that you miss your meal. God did not plan, most likely, that you lost a war. These things, there were some human choices involved. Now when that's taken away, that security blanket's taken away, it gives us more power to join in the life of God's community. We're going to talk about that community today. Let's set the Calvinism aside. Pull it out of the mix for right now. And we are left with something when we look at God called transcendence. There are going to be a few theological terms today. This is one uh, that you probably have heard. Maybe you've not heard it de- um, defined. God is transcendent. That means he trends, he is above and outside of all other things. In the sense that God is greater than everything he has created. He is not subject To the things that he created. For example. um, The way the natural world is is created. The universe is created. There are processes. There there are physics involved. That whether you're talking Newtonian. Or you're talking uh, uh, relativity or quantum. But God doesn't have to follow those laws. He is transcendent. He is not limited by space or time. God is not human. And humans can never be God. We sing a song above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things. And it's good that we sing that song because it's true. God is above all. But more than one thing can be true at the same time. I don't know why that's so hard for us to to contemplate. More than one thing can be true at the same time. So while he is transcendent, he is, here's another theological word, eminent. Now this is a real problem in the English language. We have a lot of homonyms, a lot of words that sound just like the other, uh, but they're not the same word. There's an eminent spelled one way with an E, there's an eminent that's spelled one way with an I, and those aren't the ones. When we talk about this, we say that he is eminent. I-M-M-A-N-E-N-T. It's a whole different word than you might have known. The eminence of God is something which theologians have long agreed on. I, I know of really none. I'm sure there's somebody, but I don't know of any theologian that would say God is not eminent or that God does not have eminence. But what does that mean? Well, That's the tricky part. It is the connection of God to the things he has created. In a Disney film of what, 30 some years ago, Pocahontas um, dances around and talks about how every tree and every flower has a spirit and has a name. Um, The cartoon wasn't historically accurate. Uh, Pocahontas was a Christian, not a pagan, but there are so many other things. We, let's just step aside. Does every forest creature and every tree and every brook have a spirit and a name? No. But is God in them? Yeah. God moves within all creation. He is immanent. He is, has eminence. So we can look those up. Now, if you're wondering, again, you didn't have a pencil. You want to uh, look these words up and study them some more. Good for you, by the way. Brilliant. Keep it going. The notes for every sermon are in the description of the video. If you're listening to podcasts, you will have to go to our YouTube channel to get it. Our Safe Harbor Church. It's on YouTube. Easy to find. And in the description box are the notes. So you'll have the words spelled out for you and even their definitions. God is connected to all things he created, especially to us. For we were the only things he created in his own image. And in fact, all other things were brought into being by the will of God. You might say by the voice of God, if you wanted to use it that way. All of them, except for one. Humanity, God made Adam with his own hands. We are the only hand-built things in the universe. Pretty cool. But getting this balance right of God being transcendent above all things and then having eminence being wrapped around and through all things, that scares some people. They've got a needle in, in there that's just where God belongs. And if we move the needle toward Jesus cares, he weeps with us, uh, he mourns with us, God is grieved by our behavior. We feel like we're moving it away from Christ is king of kings, God is all powerful. God, But no, no, it's too many people are afraid that if God reacts to us, that means that he is somewhat lesser. But how could that be? How could that make God lesser? If you're moving him from the, a picture of dictator to that of loving father and creator, How does that make him lesser? If you don't watch out, you can fall off this boat into some pretty murky waters. God's connection with us and caring for us, his creatures made in his image, does not threaten his power in any way, shape, or form. God is so transcendent that he creates room for others to exist And he maintains a relationship with them. God is so powerful. He's able to not use some power. He's able to bend, as we've used before, to stoop down. He's able to humble himself. Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. A lot of us know this passage. Very famous passage. Philippians 2, 5-8. A little tough to translate, but a very famous passage. As Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. And by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You might say, well, that, that's, a special, that's a special circumstance where the Son of God humbles himself. And you, and you would be absolutely correct. What well, could be more special than that? But God is so stable. He is all right to risk suffering, risk change. And this should not be new to us. It really shouldn't. I fear that our minds have been cloaked by lessons taught, attitudes pushed on by the community, and also by our need to insulate ourselves from our greatest fears. But God tells us himself that he does not work alone. That he does not work in a vacuum. He does so right in the very first words of Scripture. Bereshith para elhim. Elhim. Elhim is plural. It's a word for God. It's God's. That's what it says. Now, there are some that will immediately leap up and try to make this the royal we. It doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. And if you, I'm going to let you work on that for a while. But if you still don't see how it can work that way, you can email us at info at and I'll walk w- through it with you the best I can. Now remember, I'm on the road, we're doing this. It may take a few days, but I do try to answer every email that comes through. In the first chapter of Genesis, he also says in, in verses 26 and 27, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Once again, the royal we doesn't really work there with the word let at the very first. There are grammatical reasons for that. But you need, if you begin to start shaking here and thinking, well, then what what team are we talking about? He tells us. You see, God makes it very plain early on that he is not, in the words of Clark Pinnock, a single solitary potentate. He is not a dominating presence over the community, but untouched by it. The Trinity itself, Clark Pennick continues, is a social entity. They share titles and descriptions, each of them called God, and none of them rising above the other. No competition, just the oneness of teamwork. God is a dynamic event as much as he is a being. God exists as persons united in a communion of love and freedom and common sense, end of quote. It's really my favorite favorite definition of who God is as a being and as a team. When we meet God, He is not alone. We looked at that just a moment ago. We see Elohim, we see the movement of the Spirit of God Over the face of the deep. And according to John chapter 1. We see the creative power of Jesus. For in him were all things made. And without him nothing was made. That has been made. Shortly thereafter. We meet angels. We hear about Lord Sabaoth. The Lord of hosts. We hear about the whole counsel of God. And in one of the earliest books. When it comes to being written. And oldest stories the book of Job, we see in the opening chapter a remarkable scene of God holding court with a counsel that he is bouncing things off of when Satan walks in and challenges God over the worth and the true faith of Job. There is a whole group up there. And we hear of Bene, bene Elohim and we hear of the, the Kedeshim Words which we have a hard time even translating, but we'll say friends of God, sons of God, the living creatures, and we don't even know what they are, but it's, heaven's got a lot there. God has a lot with him. I believe he created all of them, but they are there for a purpose. From the beginning, and even before, God and his work with us has been a dance not a dictatorship. A, I'll come down and walk in the garden with you every evening. As pleasant as friends. The movement of this, uh, uh, in that sense. God's creation of all things. Did not separate him from them. He made them ex nihilo. A universe out of nothing. So yeah, transcendent. He is above it. God is the only uncreated being. However, I want you to think about that for a minute. If he is the only uncreated being, what limits are there on God over that, that would restrict what kind of universe he could make and what kind of people he could make? Would there be limits? Well, of course there wouldn't be limits because he is God. Who will limit God? He's the only being. He's the only existence is God. So there are no limits on Him. And in the scripture, we find that God freely makes creatures who have the power of choice, just like He did when He made the universe. There's a family resemblance. We have the power of choice. The Bible does not teach that God pre-programmed every tick of the clock, every movement of dust, every flap of the wing of a migrating goose. Instead, the scripture shows God making a world full of people who have some measure of free will. Another word for it is autonomy. We can make our own choices. The scripture teaches us that God is love. We've gone over this. But we have to remind ourselves of this fairly often, I I find. And a God of love does not build a universe full of machines that move in predetermined pathways. He certainly can and does intervene. And he does move with them. But he does not choose our reactions for us. We get to do that. He, He is love. And love does not make does not remove from somebody the power to choose their own reaction. Uh, Young people that are still living at home, be aware, your parents try to train you. They give the best they can. They pour their heart and their treasure into you. But you do get to choose your responses. And if you choose a response that dishonors your parents and what they've done for you, there are consequences. But that's on you. Because you made that choice. It's the same as a parent abandoning a child. I don't know what else was going on in your life. But you have responsibility for that choice. That was on you. We have agency. And God is here ready to participate with us. If we choose to work with him. Isaiah 12 verse, verses 1 through 6 um i'm I'm just gonna go ahead and read them i was going to just look at um uh verse six but in that day you will say i praise you lord although you were angry with me your anger has turned away and you've you've comforted me surely god is my salvation i will trust and not be afraid i will the lord the lord himself is my strength and my defense he has become my salvation with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation and that day you will say give praise to the Lord proclaim his name make known among the nations all that he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted sing to the Lord for he has done glorious things let this be known to all the world shout aloud and sing for joy people of Zion for great is the Holy One of Israel among you eminent, within you around you And through you. God. In Isaiah 12. Is so involved. In the give and the take. And the dance. Of life. Dear brothers and sisters. It takes a far more powerful God. A greater God. To rule over an undetermined world than it would take to rule over a pile of robots. We may think and I I truly believe that Reformed theology, Calvinism and the like truly believe they are elevating God whenever they say He plans everything and everything before creation. But which is harder to control? Which is harder to manage? Let's say three programmed smart appliances or three toddlers? How about three teenagers? Which is easier? There you go. It takes more power and more love to work with free beings. Because he loves us and because we are free agents, God in Philippians two makes himself vulnerable. And when you read the Old Testament, you can see heartbreaking pictures of this. As in Hosea, just that'll rip your heart out if you read it right. Or you'll find him as the groom who's brought love and protection and salvation to his beloved. As in the Song of Solomon and much later in the book of Revelation. And all through the Psalms where he's a warrior, he's a lover, he's a shepherd, he's a father. All of these are involved. Nowhere is he put down as the great engineer or the great dictator or the great whatever. It is always love, shepherd, father, warrior, husband, and vulnerable. Weeping tears over Jerusalem. Weeping tears or looking and saying, I wish I'd never made man. I'm going to bring a flood upon the earth. Making free people is dangerous. We can misuse our freedom. But he does not misuse his. That's the difference. He is the immutable, another theological word today, the immutable God. That means unchangeable God. That means God will always be faithful to his promises and he will always love us. There's much to be decided on this planet. But God doesn't have to decide when He looks down upon us what kind of God He's going to be. That's why we're saved. That's why we feel secure. That's why we have the strength to get out of bed and live another day. I visited recently with our brother Bobby Hampton on death row in Louisiana. And he's unschooled, but he is well-educated in the, in the Scripture And how that works for a man in his position and the pain that he's gone through. He wants to write a book. And I didn't have enough notebook when I was with me, so we're going to have to make many trips. And he's titled it, Ouch, but Hallelujah Anyway. And this whole whole thing is, there's going to be pain. And things are going to go very bad. So you can have an ouch day. But remember the Hallelujah Anyway. We can do that because God is stable. God will always make the right choice. Our future is not uncertain. Our final destination is not uncertain. The love of God is not uncertain. But change? Sure, not in the character or nature of God, but in his working with us, there's always change. God gave him just such incredibly complex uh, rules and laws about how to make the Ark of the Covenant and how it had to be carried and such. One guy touched it in the wrong way and God killed him. But then it ends up in a guy's house for years. Nothing happens bad to them. And then it disappears and yet God doesn't leave them. It originally he said, My presence will be there. You'll know when you see the ark that I'm with you. Then the ark's gone and he's saying, I'm still with you. That's just an amazing thing if you really want to stay around for a while. Spend about a week or two thinking about that. God can lay out this big plan and say this is the way it is. And then something happens and he'll go, another plan. I'm still with you. Let's keep going. We do that with our kids, do we not? We're still with you. Come on. We got this. Yep. You didn't do well on the algebra test. Well, we're going to work on this. Going to get you a tutor. We're going to work a little bit harder. Limit screen time. Screen time. I'm not now. I am causing people to scream out there. We're we're going to we're going to work with you. Wasn't Plan A. We're going to do Plan B. Well, God can do that. He declared so many laws about the building of the tabernacle and the temple, and it is almost mind numbing reading through unless you're an artist and you can really visualize it. And yet those are gone. And God is still here. He gave the Jews no permission to form synagogues. Just another word for congregation. In that gap of 400 years. But they did. And he was fine with it. And when Jesus came, he joined in with it. When I was younger, there was, by the way, what an odd phrase. When I was younger, well, I would have had to have been. You can't say when I was older. Anyway, years ago, there was a hugely popular book in my religious tribe. It was called Behold the Pattern. It was in every church building I went to. And it was in so many members' homes. I don't know if they read it or not. 660 pages. Yeah, I looked it up. 660 pages. Behold the Pattern. And it made the case for God who is set into being a rigid, precise, detailed pattern for every aspect of worship and every aspect of doctrine and who would punish with fire, death, and destruction any who did not discover that pattern and then follow it perfectly. And yet, the God we find in Scripture bent, moved, changed things. And he accepted us when we bent, moved, and changed things. As long as those decisions did not bring his character and his being into question. We started this lesson today with two theological terms, let's uh, transcendence and eminence. Let's close it with a few more terms omnipotence, you've heard that word probably, if you're a church person omnipotent, omni, all potent, all power all powerful, omnipotent, God can perform the action let me try to do this right, God can perform and action the performance of which is logically possible and consistent with God's nature He will not act illogically and he will not act outside of his nature. For example, it is absolutely laid down in scripture, God cannot lie and he's not tempting you. That's um, that's kind of important to know. So he is all powerful. But you'll hear people say silly things like, can God make a square circle? Can God make a rock so big he can't lift it? Those are logical impossibilities and God did not create an illogical universe. There are the rules of ways and and such here. Or can God decide just to kill all the babies? No. No. There's, There's more to God than this. Then there is omniscience. Omni, all. From science, knowledge. He knows all things at any given time. God knows all propositions such as that God's knowing them at that time is logically possible. And I've used the illustration so many times in this series, what does God know about the Ferrari in my backyard? He doesn't know about that because it doesn't exist. And future isn't a thing. The future's not a thing. God can determine that things are going to happen later in His own timing. But to know all the futures, there's not a thing there to be known. It's rather like those that ask me when the universe is expanding, what is it expanding into? And my heart breaks for them because I know they're not going to like the answer. And that is nothing because the only thing that is, is the universe. They'll say, but what is it expanding into? (laughs) There was nothing. The universe is just getting bigger. It's like find the midpoint of a circle. You can't do it. You'll find the resting place and the ultimate goal in an Escher drawing, if you know what those are. I love them. You can't do it because it's designed to be an endless set of stairs. And therefore, no, you never get to the top. God knows all things that are. He knows what should be and He can determine what He will do later and through whom. But he doesn't determine all things because we are not circuit boards. We are toddlers. We are teenagers. We're old crotchety people sitting on the porch yelling at, to other, at passersby. We're all of it. And we have freedom. I'll close it out by saying this. Our God exists in community. He showed us that from day one. And all the way through the scripture, he chose to work with others. Could he have worked by himself? Of course he could have. He had the choice. He chose this way and made us in his image as beings of choice. We are invited into that community. We are seated at the ultimate cool kids table. We're at the king's table. He gave us some freedom. You are free to use that freedom in ways that will give him joy or sorrow laughter or tears. Remind yourself of that every day when you open your eyes and talk to him about it at the end of every day before you close them. Because you're in his family. You're part of the community. And he wants to hear from you. More next week. God bless.